Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. A few months ago, I started looking around on the internet for uh, an Arduino autopilot. I think I mentioned in my podcast a while back that I'd started experimenting with Arduinos, which is a, a really fun little device which allows you to program basically to turn on and off switches with a set of programs. That's really what it is. It's a microcontroller, not a microprocessor, but a microcontroller. And I started taking some, well, some, t some lessons online from a website called toptechboy.com. And this man has a series of, I think, about 16 or 17 lessons that take you through the basics of Arduino programming. Along that series of lessons, you learn how to hook up a GPS chip to a breadboard and go take go go out and take readings wherever you're at and, and so forth. So if you're interested in learning the Arduino programming language and what an Arduino can do, that's a great website, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I've always thought that there ought to be more than one company producing autopilots. <laughs> there, there used to be several. But it looks like Ray Marine has pretty much bought up everybody that used to make autopilots, at least small tiller autopilots. And I thought, well, then somebody had to be able to make one of these using an Arduino. And I searched the Internet, and I came across a YouTube video that my guest today put out. And I reached out to him, Jack Edwards, and Jack has done exactly what I was looking for. And I, I pulled out the code and I started looking at it, and quite honestly, it was way beyond my, my my programming ability to decipher it. But I have Jack with me today. Jack, you live up in the northwest somewhere, don't you? Well, I have a sailboat up there in uh, Seattle. Actually, it's up in closer to the Canadian border this year. I moved it up there last year. I have a son in Bellingham, and they just had a baby. So now I've got a grandchild there. So I've got the boat up near Bellingham. And uh, but my home, full-time home, is in New Mexico, uh, down near Santa Fe, and uh, so I spend the winters down here. And we're having a great ski season so far. Um, so I sail in the summer about three months and spend that on the boat, and uh, then I'm down here in New Mexico the rest of the time. I guess you ski out of the Taos Resort, right? Is that right? I do, and uh, it's a really great resort. It uh, it's a lot. I know you're from Salt Lake. It's a lot like Alta. Um, very good shoots and steeps, and they just put a new lift into the top of Kachina Peak this past year. And this uh, El Nino weather is what really booms our skiing down here, so we're having a good year. All right. Well, Jack, I looked at your video, and I reached out to you, and I was amazed at what you'd been able to do. Now, this looks to, to me like this is just a project you took on for fun more than anything else. I did. Um, I got... I got at it probably from a similar point of view, perhaps as you did. I had a, I bought this sailboat up there. I've had it in Seattle since 2000 and it had a rudimentary 
autopilot on it, and I wanted to be able to hook up a GPS to it and steer the boat with waypoints either from a laptop uh, navigation program or a chart plotter in the cockpit where you could enter the waypoints you want to go to graphically in some form of user interface, uh, which is a would be standard for a sailor, and then have the boat be able to steer to that. So I never did quite figure out how to do it. And then a few years ago, my son introduced me to the Arduino and I said, wow, this is really cool. And I think I could do it with this. And I just listened to you talk a minute there about the Arduino. And it really is a very simple system to learn. And if you started at the beginning, it's real simple programs and you just keep building on to it. And I would add to what you said about it is that the thing that has really made this possible, uh, and you said you looked at some of my code and it looks very complicated, and a great deal of it is, but the thing about it is, is that people write little subroutines and called, they're called libraries that will handle a piece of equipment. For instance, you said you did some experimentation with GPS. You probably used a GPS library and all you had to do was call up, uh, you know, give me my waypoint and it would, it would print that out for you. So um, it's part of this maker's, not revolution, but there's a, a maker's um, mentality that's very popular on the internet with a lot of young people where you can go in and make and do things yourselves. 3D printers are in that uh, realm. And the Arduino is really the element, I think, that kicked it off. Um, and it is a little controller. Uh, and the thing that makes it easy is that you can program it from your laptop and all the software that you need to do that is free. And all the contributors who contribute to these things um, usually do it under an open license so that the software things that they develop are available to, for other people to take and build upon. So that's kind of how I got started on it. And uh, once I got going, it, um, it's been fascinating and quite a journey. Well, Jack, tell me a little bit about your background, because from what I can see, you must have been an engineer in a previous life. Well, I, I am an engineer, and uh, I guess I still am. And, you know, I find as a retired person now that, you know, I haven't changed that much from since I was a kid, you know, when I used to play with model airplanes. So it's that same type of idea where you like to make things that, that uh, makes this an enjoyable endeavor to try to build one of these autopilots. And I am an engineer, mechanical engineer, and I worked at Los Alamos, and I'm also a woodworker, and I, have, I built weaving looms for 15 years. Um, so I've done a lot of different things, but basically I'm a maker. Okay. All right. So you like to tinker around just like I do. Yes. I think anybody that likes to tinker will love this project. <laughs> How many projects do you have working right now? Well, that's the main one, of course. There's also the the home and the boat, and the, you know all the things we have to keep running, taking taking care of. But the uh, autopilot is is quite a challenge um, to keep it going, and a lot of people are are picking it up. And one of the funnier ones is I got a, an email last summer from a what sounded like a young man. He had taken my project, built an autopilot, and put it on a 200 foot tanker, a Greek tanker in the Mediterranean and was steering the tanker uh, using this autopilot. So that was a fun hoot to learn. Well, let's, let's run through the, the, 
the components of your, your Arduino autopilot. I've got it here, but you know it intimately. So tell us what's involved in that. Let's start with the hardware and then a little bit of the sub software subroutines that you developed. Well, the, uh, let me, one of the, one of the elements of, uh, of the autopilot, which is the key element is what's called the feedback controller. And it, and we use the acronym uh, PID and that stands for proportional integral and differential, but it is just like the, uh, cruise control on your car. If you get below speed, it wants to speed you up. If you go too fast, it, it wants to slow you down. But a key element in that is like if you put on your gas to go up a hill, you have to let your gas off before you get to the top of the hill or you'll be going too fast when you go over the top. So that's the negative feedback uh, in this loop. And this, the equation for that loop is two terms. The what the coarse error is and what the bearing rate is. And so you subtract the bearing rate from the coarse error and that's your control signal. So for all of that coding, it gets down to one line of algebra to actually control the rudder. Uh, most of what goes into it is gathering the input data and processing it into a signal that you can um, manage to generate those two terms. Um, so for, for my hardware, I started with a... Uh, the Arduino board, and I use a Mega because it's a, a little bit bigger. Um, and then I have a compass. And the compass is um, what is called a, if you think of a ship's compass or a boat's compass, it has a mechanical gimbals. And the mechanical gimbals allows that compass card to remain in the horizontal plane. Um, on these solid state compasses, they have an electronic gimbal. And to do that, um, it has three accelerometers and three gyros and three uh, magnetic detectors so that it can sense which way's up and which way's down so that it can determine which way it needs to compute the uh, compass heading. So there's the compass and that's typically called a IMU, in, uh, inertial Ma management unit. Um, and they're available now like $20 a piece. Um, though I frequently, I have just recently upgraded that to one that Bosch is now making, and I'm in the process of program, programming that in, uh, it just, it's a lot more accurate. Um, so there's the Arduino, and then there's the uh, compass. Uh, if, and, and a person could actually stop there and make an autopilot uh, for the control system. Um, but I also use a, a GPS input, so I actually do that with a second Arduino, just because the typical Garmin uh, GPS has a signal rate of about once per second, and that slows the whole autopilot down. So I find that it works better to bring that into a separate Arduino and process it and then send the data at a higher rate over to the second Arduino. Um, and then on the output side, um, these uh, Arduinos operate on either from five to 12 volts. And I have mine set up at 12 volts, and then it has a little power supply that you can buy for uh, five bucks or something um, to set it at five volts, which is the basic, the, the same voltage that you have for your telephone on the USB port. So basically, it runs at USB type voltage, 4.85 volts. Um, so then the output of the Arduino is a signal. Uh, 
and that has to go and drive a DC motor. And so that's called the motor controller. And in on my website there, or not website, but on, in the video um, and in the documents, I use one that's made by Pololu. Uh, you could use them from other manufacturers. So I think you'd want to use the one that I've programmed just because it'd be much less difficult. Um, but that basically is a solid state relay that allows the um, Arduino to tell the rudder motor what to do. And basically it's, you know, the run the motor forward or run the motor backwards. Now, in addition, I use um, a speed controller in there so that it runs the motor forward and backwards, either slow or fast. So the bigger the air, the faster that it, that the motor runs. So uh, when you're just kind of cruising along and there's not too much air, um, the motor will just creep a little left, a little right, a little left, a little right, and keep you on course. Um, but let's say a big wave uh, in a following sea would knock your stern uh, suddenly, um, the autopilot would react more quickly and give a bigger signal and the, the motor, your steering motor would react uh, at a higher speed. So it's advantages, it's quiet, it's quieter that way, uh, it's lower power that way, and um, it's just a good way to do it. So that's the motor controller. So let's see, then um, below decks, I have um, the, the basic autopilot, and I have that in uh, oh, six inch by five inch by three inch plastic box that I got at uh, Walmart or something. Um, then for control, those are the basic elements, but then you have what are, are the control elements. And for control on this, I use a tel uh, 12, 12 key telephone keypad, uh, one through zero plus star and pound. And then each of those keys um, have various functions. Um, for instance, if you, if you're, you have to, you've turned it on, if you hit key one, you go into the compass mode and from there, um, the, the autopilot, when you punch one, uh, it looks at what the compass reading is at that point in time and says, okay, that's what he wants to steer. I'm going to lock on to that value. So it captures that value and stores it. And now if the compass reads something different, um, it takes the difference of those two, and that's your heading error, and that's your main control signal. Then there's, uh, so anyway, I have different buttons that'll, do different things. It can steer. Um, it can steer a wind angle. Um, I have a tack mode, which is the same as the compass mode, except that when you press. Um, so let me go back to the compass mode briefly. Uh, keys. If you're looking at a telephone, there. Um, keys four and six will adjust your course ten degrees left or right, and keys seven and nine will adjust your course one degree left and right. And if you were to engage the tack mode, um, key six or, or uh, four and six would adjust your course by a hundred degrees. So I sail a lot by myself. Um, I put it in that mode when I'm going to tack. Uh, I'll hit that button, and, I, and I, there are parameters that I've set in there that limit the rudder angle and the speed of the rudder to emulate how I like to do it when I tack. So those parameters a user can adjust. So it will emulate how he likes to tack. And so then I don't have to uh, fiddle with the helm. Uh, I can uh, tack the, 
the jib and uh, the, of course the main will come over. I can steady up, it'll steady up on a new course. I can sheet it in, trim it up. And then um, usually a hundred degrees is a little broad for attack, but as I gain speed, then I can uh, touch the, the four and six keys, four, uh, sorry, seven and nine keys and bump that up closer to, to the wind angle that I want to sail. So that's the basic operation. And then I guess the other the other mode is the GPS mode, and that has a, a key associated with it. And it uh, will steer the um, GPS course that you have programmed into your um, either your navigation software on your laptop or the navigation route that you have fixed on your chart plotter. In my case, it's in the cockpit. Um, so those are the basic operations. I guess we're talking about components, but those are the basic operations also, what they do, the components do. Now, let's talk about the control mechanism below below deck. You use a hydraulic pump and, a, and a, basically a hydraulic cylinder to, to drive your rudder. Yours is a, uh, your boat, I've looked at the videos, it's a, a steering wheel boat. My boat's a tiller boat. How does it go from controlling it with the hydraulic piston versus controlling it by hand, how do you disengage the, the hydraulic cylinder, I guess, or the hydraulic uh, piston, I guess? Well, the, the hydraulic piston is moving at all the time, all the time when the rudder is moving. And my unit has a little hydraulic pump that runs forward and reverse at different speeds. But then there's a, a, a solenoid actuated hydraulic valve, which bypasses the cylinder. So it connects from the inlet or the high pressure side of the cylinder to the low pressure side of the cylinder. And if the autopilot is turned off, that valve is open and you can move the rudder. And, uh, and, and so when the piston's going one way, it's pushing oil through that valve back to the other side of the piston. So uh, in essence, that's the clutch function. Um, all, all these autopilots have a cl clutch function. Um, the uh, Ray Marine uses a... Uh, uh, an electric clutch, uh, and several people have taken old Ray Marine uh, linear and rotary units and hooked it up with my autopilot. It seems to work uh, quite well that way. Um, a fellow who has just sailed from, he bought a boat up in, in Australia um, in December, I guess it was, and sailed it down to Tasmania, about 1,400 miles, and uh, he did not have an autopilot. He's the first person who's actually built a, a, a control, uh, a motor. He took a windshield washer motor, I think a windshield wiper motor, um, so a small DC motor, um, ran it through a worm drive gearbox from a boat winch, uh, then put a gear, a chain gear on that, and then another chain gear on his uh, helm, and uh, ran a sprocket up to there. And I th think he, forget how he clutches his, but I know that a lot of the tiller pilots, a lot of the, the auto helm pilots that are have are hooked right onto the wheel uh, have a little lever and they're driven by belt and you tension the belt um, to, to um, drive, the, drive the wheel and take the tension off and turn the autopilot off when you want to steer by hand. And I actually have seen a video on YouTube where somebody took an electric drill motor and, a, and an all-thread screw and using that to drive a, a tiller on a, on a boat. So I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think it's pop, another popular way to go, though I haven't 
done it myself is to use the autopilot, the electronic autopilot to tip the steering vane on a wind-driven um, autopilot like the uh, monitor wind vane unit. Uh, use the little, a small servo to tip that wind vane and steer uh, your compass course that way. So there are a lot of different options and, and I don't really in uh, what I've done try to say how people should do it, but that is something that has to be addressed by the individual. So how many of your units do you think are out there? Have you given out your, your software and diagrams and to a lot of people? Oh, I'd say there's probably a hundred people uh, in that uh, realm that have uh, requested that I send software to them. Um, I know, I know of about a half a dozen who've been who have successful or let me know that they've built a unit that they have working. Uh, well, I know one guy in the Mediterranean built it, and he had a background in a uh, oh, in I guess it was air conditioning control system. So he built his very quickly and had it up and running. Uh, using a compass-only mode. Uh, I don't know that anybody's got the GPS mode operational yet. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be too uh, important to a lot of people. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, I've got a basic AutoHelm 2000, and then I have a more more current edition. And quite honestly, the old old AutoHelm works so much better than the <laughs> than the new one does. And I've, I've talked on my podcast before about being able to finally, my, this old autopilot that I bought in 1980, probably about 1985, the brushes finally went out on it because it was a DC motor and it, the brushes finally were out and I could not find the motor. Auto home quit work, say, taking care of it. And I finally found the manufacturer and I was able to get a sample of the little tiny motor that, that uh, I was able to replace and get it working again because the control unit was still working fine. But I can see a point where I'm going to have to replace this, and the autopilot that I bought from Ray Marine that was designed to replace it just doesn't do as good a job as the old one, in my opinion. And it's just on compass-only mode. It's just a compass-only mode one. But I was looking at yours, and you use hydraulics, and I thought, well, and I'm sure other people have done this, but wouldn't just a, you could do the same thing for a tiller pilot, but with just a linear actuator instead of a hydraulic. Am I thinking right? Oh, yes. Um... Definitely. Um, and it'd be, I guess you'd want to hook it up at the tiller mm -hmm. uh, type of thing. Right. I know. I, I, I don't see why it wouldn't work. Um, I think the, the thing that is important is, will it drive the, the rudder at the speed that you might need to drive it? Um, and, and it probably, it's probably important whether or not your rudder is a balanced rudder, you know, a balanced spade rudder would have a lot less effort as opposed to a skeg hung rudder. Um, so does it have the power and the speed that you need in terms of response? And does like your newer one have the same capability in terms of motor response as your older one? It doesn't seem to have as strong a motor. And my, my, my rudder is the barn door type rudder. Mine's a traditional mm -hmm. looking boat. It's a Bristol channel cutter, if you're familiar with them. And so it's got just a big rudder and it takes a lot of effort to keep it on course. There's always a lot of weather helm when you're tacking in and into the wind but when i'm tacking into the wind i put my vane gear on so i don't have a problem with that but uh, when i'm motoring it's just really when i'm motoring and there's a lot of waves that it seems to get overpowered very easily well um now one of the things i had trouble when i first got mine going uh the fellow i bought the boat from and brought it back from tahiti 
and the autopilot was not working and uh, I tore into it and I found the brushes were gone and I could not find a source for those brushes. I went into a shop and it's wonderful to have a boat in a place like Seattle in, in Ballard. Ballard is the old fishing community where they kept the, you know, the entire fishing fleet of the Northwest operational. You know, they can make anything in there. And I took it to a DC motor shop. So, oh, well, we'll make you something. And he says, oh, well, get a set of these Harley Davidson generator brushes and file them down a little bit. You'll be perfect. Uh, those brushes have been in there for 12 years. Uh, so you might be able to fix your old motor that way. Uh, but the motor has to, has to be sized um, for the job. And, you know, this autopilot's not going to help you if, if that isn't the case. Now, um, within this autopilot, um, I mentioned that the control equation is two terms. And that means that a user could set that up if you wanted to with, uh, you could adjust those on the fly if you wanted to. So um, there's two terms. One is the first term is the proportional term, and that's your heading air. So let's say like right now, it is set up so that um, if you have a 10 degree air, this is for my boat. If I have a 10 degree heading air, I get eight degrees of compass. So that works out to be uh, a coefficient in front of that first term of 0.8. Um, and so if you were trying to set, set one of these up for your boat, uh, you would say, okay, now if I'm 10 degrees off, how much rudder do I wanna use to get back? And then you'd set your coefficient. And then the other coefficient is the coefficient is in front of the negative feedback term. And the negative feedback term for this is the bearing rate. So the faster you're turning, the more you wanna take that rudder off as you approach your uh, set point. Otherwise you just go through your set point to the other side and you zigzag back and forth. Uh, so then you increase your parameter for the, the negative feedback bearing rate up until it's damping about at the rate that you want it to. Um, but a person can, those, those, I don't have it set up this way, but to set it up with a potentiometer would be very easy to do because somebody asked me about that recently and the, I didn't do it because it seemed like they could easily get out of adjustment of where you wanted to have them most of the time. So I haven't found it's necessary. What are your long-term projections for the project? Are you going to commercialize it in any way? No, a fellow, the fellow in Tasmania asked me about that. Isn't there some way you make money at this? And I said, no, I just try to make a few friends. Uh, and it's, oh, it's kind of funny. My wife was reading me a poem here at lunchtime. And uh, basic, the basis of it was, you know, sow good seeds and bloom well, you know. So when I get, when I get it working the way I want to achieve for my own purposes, I'll probably not spend too much time on it. But you know, I'm making available to people. Uh, it's it's not a commercial endeavor. Well, it's, uh, for those those people that are not technically inclined, it might be nice just to make a simple tiller compass unit available at some point in time, just to replace the old auto helms that were were su sufficient for what a lot of people need. Well, the the one of the one of the areas that I'm working on right now is um, is on the compass, and um, I know you said you have looked at my code and. For the listener, the code is laid out like like your uh, like a spreadsheet with a lot not a spreadsheet but uh, your uh, Windows Explorer with a lot of different tabs and the tabs are different pieces of the of the code and I don't know there must be a dozen of them in there about eighty percent of those would go away with this current um, 
a compass that I use. Uh, this Bosch compass that I'm looking at right now, uh, which goes from $20 to $40, um, has an onboard computer chip that does the calibration internally. And all I, all I get is the compass heading and the bearing rate. Uh, so that would cut that code down about 90%. Uh, so just a simple um, compass code really is uh, very simple with this system. You need, you need the compass, the, the basic auto, the basic Arduino, you know, a control keypad. And, I, and one of the other modes I have in there is I have a knob. I call it knob steering, where you can use the uh, autopilot to just with a knob and control the rudder. Um, so that, that could be added. So the basic compass mode, uh, is quite is quite simple to do and would be and should be pretty easy to um, implement if you had uh, and many people have the Raymarine units and the and have had the problem where their uh, autopilot just is not working anymore um, and you get to that situation and you're faced with a two thousand um, dollar cost to, to replace that basic motherboard and if you build this. Uh, one of the advantages is, is you know what all those components are and you can change them out for 20 or the, the most expensive one is that motor controller and it's like $75. So um, you, you have enough experience when you're building this to know where your problems are and you can repair it and have a few spare parts. Now the compass, um, I have had very good success with my autopilot, but I sail mostly inland waters up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. I didn't, and not real heavy seas. The fellow who just brought the boat down from Australia was having a very difficult time when the seas got rough. Um, and he, he, has, he had two problems. One is that the boat was rolling a lot. And so this idea of the electronic gimbals on the compass uh, was not working as well as it should. And part of the reason is at high latitudes, um, the, the Earth's magnetic field has... Um, I guess we look at it in three directions, the horizontal X and Y plus the vertical component. And the vertical component of the Earth's magnetic field uh, where he was in Tasmania is 70 degrees up. So the majority of his signal is going up into the air and he's trying to read the compass heading based on the, the residual or the small portion of that. So when he coupled that with the rocking and rolling, uh, he was not getting... He, he, the, the tilt compensation was not working. It was going like 15 degrees off course when it would tilt 20 degrees. So the testing I've done so far with this Bosch compass looks a, a heck of a lot better than that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm working right now to program that in and actually basically have it working. Uh, and I think when I get that, and, and so it has the side advantage then that it's going to eliminate about 90% of the code. Um, so a compass only unit would get down to be a pretty simple bunch of code. Um, and I also think that because that a lot of the compass code is moved over to the controller, I mean, over to the compass board, the, the uh, computer board on the compass itself, that um, I could bring that GPS code back over to the main board. So I'm working on simplifying and, and getting the reliability. Um, the other area that I'm working on right now um, that has eluded me is in the GPS steering. 
Um, if you steer a GPS waypoint, when you get to the waypoint, um, it would be advantageous to turn before you get to the waypoint. So you can kind of make a, a tangent curve from one line to the other. And typically an autopilot, I haven't got a lot of experience with different ones. You, you wait till you go through the waypoint and then you have to turn and come back to the new course line. And the I don't know if you've got a chance to look at those videos that I had there on my Dropbox. Um, but last summer, the testing I was doing, uh, the Garmin uh, um, chart plotter predicted, not predicted, but uh, sent me a signal for the course to steer. And it, you could program it such that it would start the, start the turn uh, any distance or time before you get to the waypoint. And uh, when I did that and experimented with that last summer, the code really followed that course extremely well. Um, in calm water. And it does use the compass when it's steering an autopilot course. It, the autopilot tells it what course to, to travel over. And, it, and, it, and then from that, it computes what heading to steer. Because if you've got a cross current and you want to travel, if you want to travel east uh, to, so that you are sure to stay on the line that you've already plotted as a safe line, you don't want to get off of that line left and right because there may be hazards. Uh, so if you've got a cross current, you've got to crab the boat in order to uh, stay on that line. And uh, so I think I've got that part working quite well now. And so the last piece that I have to test is, can I do that uh, with internal computations rather than those Garmin uh, computed courses? And uh, the testing I've been able to do with that here at home seems like uh, it'll go down to the end of the driveway in my car and tell the car to turn um, at the right point. So I think I've got that figured out. So I've spent a lot of time on that that aspect of it. So you're spending quite a bit of time in front of your computer and playing with code with this right now. Well, I, I am right now, uh, particularly with the, trying to get this uh, new, new compass installed. Um, and I was just out the, the thing I'm trying to, I have it working and I'm trying to figure out how to pull the bearing rate out of there. Um, I, and there's two ways to do it. Pull it off of the gyros or pull it off, or compute it from the change in, in bearing. And I'm doing it both ways. And right now I'm out, I was out in the shop today trying to make a turntable so I could calibrate it. <laughs> so when you gave me the Dropbox folder, go take a look at these, uh, uh, take a look at your work. You said the, the first place to start out is the documentation, the autopilot documentation. But then all the code is up. Uh, you have a lot of different files of the different code along with uh, videos and photos. And I guess what you really want to look at, if, at least when I'm looking at this, the Autopilot current version H4. Is that right? Yeah, that's the one that I'm current that current that is currently up there, though I just put the new test version with this compass up there. But uh, that's, that's the one that's operational right now. And I leave the old, I leave the old stuff there just because a lot of people, you know how it is, once you get something working, you don't want to tinker with it. Uh, and so a lot of people uh, who've pulled that code down and, and have it, they like to see that that's still there. And, you know, I could more could be done in the department of trying to get that thing really well organized. And uh, I haven't I haven't done that. Doesn't interest me too much. And I probably will. But I, I keep finding other things that I think are more important. You know, I have listen. I have about oh, I don't know a couple thousand listeners that listen to my podcast, and I bet one or two of them would be interested in taking this project and 
and helping you with uh, areas that you think you might want to help, have help with. Do you like to do things on your own, or do you like to get input from other makers, I guess? Well, I, I if people have good ideas, I'm certainly, um, I, I like to hear them. Um, but uh, a lot of people, a lot, not a lot, but s several people, have, gee, why don't you do this? Uh, gee, why don't you do that? And, you know, it's all open source. And if people want to, you know, take it in a different route, uh, I think that's, you know, commendable and, and they should look at that. But, and there may be um, things that people could help with, like, for instance, Right now, if somebody were a, a, a good um, programmer and I'd say, look, I can't quite figure out how to uh, change the basic. So it, within this Bosch compass, um, you can s set the different ranges for the gyros in terms of degrees per second. It goes from like uh, 125 degrees per second up to 2000 degrees per second. Uh, so you can, it's like selectable ranges. Well, for a sailboat, if you'd make a circle in a minute, that's, you know, uh, six degrees a second or something. Uh, you don't need 2,000 degrees per second. Um, but that level of programming involves um, programming in binary, uh, which is not my expertise. And typically, I'll get that help from the manufacturer, but I haven't gotten it yet. So if somebody says, oh, I know how to do that, um, some of those things could be helpful. Um, and, and I'm always, it's always good to have useful ideas. Now there was a, I just had a correspondent a few weeks ago. He, he was a software engine. He was an electrical engineer and his wife was a software engineer and they've sailed the, the Pacific at least twice. And both times their autopilots have failed to work for them. Uh, and they, you know, said, I'm not going to see without a good autopilot next time. So they've, uh, taken this code and, and I don't I haven't heard back from them how they're doing uh, but th they may be good resources now I actually think uh, a lot of people that have had difficulties with autopilots at sea I think it's the compass this compass thing is uh, uh, a significant issue I saw that Ray Marine now they they have gone to one of these uh, IMUs like I am using they're called a it's called nine degrees of freedom or nine DOF. And what that means, it has three accelerometers, three gyros and three magnetometers. And the idea is you have to have all that in order to have an electronic gimbals. The, if you, I think of the accelerometers as diving boards in three different planes so that if if the one diving board that is in the horizontal plane, it's just sitting there under the, under the influence of gravity, it will bend uh, where the other two are on edge and they will not bend. So it says, ah, that's down. Now, if you orient that detector in some degrees of pitch and some degrees of roll, all three diving boards will bend. And so it has to say, okay, these have all bent, uh, which way is level or which way is up? And therefore, which way do I have to, interpret these three magnetometers and that's good except that if you have the accelerometers coupled with an acceleration now it has to uh, figure out which is gravity and which is acceleration and subtract them and there's one more level of complication that is if the system is rotating the rotational uh, component will cause these diving boards to bend so you have to measure the rotational and subtract that out. So there's all these other components basically to give you a compass 
uh, a horizontal plane compass reading. And the cheaper ones, um, you know, so it, it's three, three things and they all have uh, three axes that should be at right angle to each other and all on the same coordinate system. Well, you know, you're talking about a little mini, mini microchip and uh, how well that, you know, if the space industry is going to make that very well and consumer electronics or not. Uh, so that, that's a key issue. But it's interesting that uh, Ray Marine has just gone to that type of a, a system. And their, their sensor is about $600. Um, I don't know how good it is, but um, this Bosch seems to be quite good. So I'm gonna, I'll be headed in, in that direction. It sounds like you're having a lot of fun playing with this. And I want to keep up with, with what you're doing. And I think my project, if I'm going to take this on, is I'm going to try to do a compass only where I can say, okay, steer this course and do positive and negative 10 degrees or 1 degrees or tack. Those would be the three things I do with my current. That's sufficient for me because I'm always on watch anyway, so I'm always up there watching where I'm going. Well, quite frankly, it's, it's, it's safer too. You put this thing on GPS and who knows, you know, where you could end up someplace else. Uh, but if you're, the way I like to, if I'm motoring and uh, going somewhere and I've got a cross current, I like to set a route on the GPS plotter um, and it'll, you know, I suppose you use something like that and it draws a line on your chart and then you can look at it and it'll tell you whether you're left or right of course and you can tweak it a degree or two and nudge it so it stays on that course. And if there's a significant current, you could have a significant heading difference from the course, but but you'll track down that line. And that's a very safe way to do it. And uh, it's really all that's needed. Uh, it's really more of a challenge to me to get this other part working, but th that's really what's needed. You like the engineering challenge. That's what I, I can tell that. That's what you like. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you know, I had this idea, goodness, you know, eight or nine years ago, and I'm really... I said to myself this past summer when I had that success uh, steering, um, following the route with the GPS, I said, you know, I've been doing this, well, I'm not, not for nine years, but this is finally where I wanted to get it to. So, uh, you know, I'm really pretty pleased with that. Uh, uh, and now if I can get this compass upgraded, I think I'll have a pretty good system. And then I think it can be simplified um, and made more reliable. Well, I really appreciate your time. I want to ask you a few questions of sailing up in the Northwest because that's where I, I launched my boat was actually in Bellingham. Just that's down right. I to... remember you saying that. And so where have you sailed up there? And, and, and tell me about how you got into sailing. Have you been sailing all your life? No, I've not been sailing all my life. Um, let's see. Well, I was in the Navy in nuclear submarines, and uh, I was stationed in Charleston, and my landlord had a 30-foot uh, peak. Uh, what he have? I'm not sure what his boat was, but we sailed. We took that down to Florida, and he raced in the Southern Ocean racing racing circuit, and I crewed for him and navigated for him, and and it, you know it was very enjoyable. Um, I've always been a boater. I, I here in the where I live, and I when I lived I lived in Idaho for a while also, and I had a, a fishing dory, uh, floated the Snake River, uh, loved to fly fish up there on the Snake River. Uh, so I like the water and, and, and that type of thing. And then here where I am in New Mexico, we had moved from Idaho to come down here because my wife is a weaver. And I said, well, let's go down there and find a place and I'll make looms and you can weave. And so I did that for 10 years, um, had a very fine product that I uh, built and patented several features on. 
and and it, one of which was large uh, sand cast bronze gears. I said, boy, this just ought to be a boat. <laughs> and I used to take all of the wooden boat magazines and say, I'm going to build a sailboat. You know, and finally, when I got to be around 60, I said, you know, if you're going to go sailing, you better get a boat. Uh, so I guess when I was 60 and both the kids lived up in the Northwest, uh, I went up there and found a sailboat I liked and um, bought that and uh, enjoyed it. And I've sailed um, that from, you know, Seattle up the Inside Passage up to Ketchikan and back and up the Gulf Islands. Uh, there's a lot of great sailing water up there. Um, so I've enjoyed it greatly. And, and, and it's a summer, um, you know, I'm on all summer, so it's a good getaway from here. I love the mountains here and love being on the sea up there. So are you on your boat uh, all summer long then? I am. I usually, usually about three months. Uh, and it, it has, it actually is kind of limiting in terms of working on this autopilot because it, uh, you, you do a lot of development and you can't really do the final testing till you get back to the boat. So you kind of have to conjure up ways that you can test things uh, as best you can. Do you take your laptop up there and make uh, software changes when you go? Oh, I do. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, drives my wife crazy. Okay, take the helm. I got to go change this parameter. <laughs> I do that. Or keep a lookout here while I go below and fix this again. So, uh, yeah, I've had many, many days up there where, oh, and yeah, I get to a state where I've got everything working just great. And I say, all right, now I'm going to try to implement this and I make a mess of it and takes me a while to get back to a stable situation but uh, I think I'm pretty good shape right now. Jack is it okay if I put a link how if, if people are interested in in looking at your project how would you like them to to do that would you like them to write you an email or do you want me to go ahead and post the, your Dropbox folder? I guess I'd prefer that you uh, do an email. I end up spending a, a good bit of time helping people uh, and it's nice to know who I'm helping, um, and it's and I, I I just prefer to have a little little control over it and uh, not just dump it out there. I, I eventually I hope to you know a lot of awful lot of these uh, types of codes are on the GitHub, which is a <clears throat> Google run site where people can store and keep codes, and you can keep codes there free if it, you know it's a open source code. And that would be the proper place for it. Uh, and then other people can uh, dig into it and uh, comment on it and stuff. But uh, if it gets to be too, too much um, time and, and effort, you know, I tend to back away from it. Uh, so I have, it's kind of a balance of trying to help people along with it without uh, spending too much, you know, energy, not energy, but uh, too big a time commitment to, you know, just, endlessly do it. I'd like to get it in a little better shape in terms of the instructions before I really make it fully open, I guess. Okay. Is it okay if I post your YouTube video so people can Yeah, the YouTube video would be great. Just put put, the, put that in there and they can uh, look at that and then they can get in touch with me if they think they want to pursue it. Well, Jack, I really appreciate your time. Is there anything else you think we ought to add before we call it an interview? <laughs> No, I think we've covered a lot of good ground. And I guess if, you know, if you decide you're going to start a project, uh, you know, certainly uh, get back in touch with me. Touch with me if you have any questions. I like to help people along with it, see what their experiences are. Well, I know the first thing I'd do is I'd look for a linear actuator that would do what I need it to do. And I can basically look at the specs that Ray Marine has for their linear actuators and go find one that's similar to that. Because I think that's probably what I need to do. 
And then I would probably use the same motor controller because you're just basically controlling a different motor than your hydraulic motor. I agree. The, the, the same motor controller would operate it. Now, uh, somebody sent me a link recently. There, there are two, some linear actuators uh, that looked like would have specifications. They had a, a number of different sizes, and they were they looked like they were, I think, you know, for a couple hundred dollars, I think you could get a linear actuator um, that has specifications that would What's the size of your boat, tonnage? Uh, my, my my boat's 16,000 pounds. It's 37 feet overall, 28 feet on deck, but it's a full keel boat. So it takes uh -huh. a bit of effort to move that rudder back rudder. and forth. Yeah. The, um, would, if you look at the other autopilot that you thought did a pretty good job, if you would look at the specifications in terms of watts on that motor, mm -hmm. that would be probably a pretty good idea of of what you needed uh i have not found any hydraulic steering units um that i that other than buying them from you know uh, one of the autopilot manufacturers uh, but if i can locate that link that um, somebody sent me on linear actuators and they're, they're like a you know standard the linear actuators used in all sorts of control systems and um automation processing and that type of thing so i think there's some out there that might be pretty reasonable yeah if you find that link that'd be great now with that with that you'd have to come up with the clutch as i recall now i, I looked into the clutch that that ray marine uh, linear actuator has and basically it uses a uh, a differential of the input so that if you ever jacked a car up and you notice how um if you put it in gear, both wheels will rotate, but you can stop one wheel and the other wheel will go twice as fast. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what Ray Marine uses in that rotary and linear actuator is they've got a planetary differential. And I think that's made in England. They use a planetary differential and then a fixed clutch. And so when the clutch fixes, um, then the motor drives the output. And when the clutch is released, um, since the output has more friction than the clutch the clutch spins um so the clutch the clutch type of thing would be a thing to look at i guess and it could be done with a pin or, or something simple yeah you know i think well i don't have a clutch in what i have right now i just take it off the tiller so i just pop it off when i'm not using it so that's that's probably the system i would go with just to pop it off the pin when i'm not using it but I'll find I'll find that uh, reference and, and send it to you because that uh, I think if if you're going to go that simple I think it, it'd be be very good I think it worked quite well and uh, and the other thing is I'd go with, if you decide you're going to start buying some components <clears throat> I'd get one of those Bosch uh, compasses. compasses yeah and there I've got a folder up there from the other day that I put up something test system and it's basically a piece of code I'm working on right now that has that uh, support for that uh, uh, Bosch. A compass in it and it it, it the, the wiring's the same as the pololu uh, imu um so and i and i think i'll have that working here pretty soon all right jack i'm going to put a link to you i'm going to get your email in the post i'll put a link to your youtube video up i'll put a link to uh the the arduino lessons that i took that i thought were interesting and to arduino in the post and i think uh, some of our listeners may be starting to play with these well i it it, it really is a great a great piece of equipment the thing that really made it accessible is just the accessibility of it and the being able to program it with the usb and breaking all those pins out so that you could uh, i mean they basically 
took what has been a very complicated system and made it simple uh, and accessible. And uh, I mean, you can just do all kinds of things with it. Yeah, every time I think of a project, in fact, I was I was thinking I, I need to set a shooting range up on my property. But the distances I shoot at, if I still hit a sh- shoot at a steel target, I can't tell if I hit it because my ears don't hear the, the clean, clanging. So I found, I thought, Arduino steel target alarm. And I found a, uh, a very simple circuit and a very simple Arduino project for doing exactly what I want to do. So when I hit the target, a red LED or several LEDs go off so I can see if I hit the target. So <laughs> just very simple projects like that. So this, you can see this, this is my... Uh... Oh, yeah, uh-huh. So this is my current version of my remote control. And I think I mentioned it in here, down here at the bottom, that's an anchor battery. You can buy them to charge your cell phone, uh-huh. you know, to uh-huh. extend the life of your cell phone. So it's a little cell phone USB adapter. Uh, so inside here then is the Arduino, the keypad, the liquid crystal display. And so I've added an RF uh, link. Mm-hmm. So the RF link is between uh, the main Arduino and the remote control. And I've tested this thing at 800 meters. So it's totally so, wireless now. So you can walk so around wireless. your boat. Yeah, it's wireless. Um, so that lets me, you know, here's a little switch. You turn the switch on, you get your, you get your output. Um, and the Arduinos so, are inside that box then, right? There's one Arduino in here. And actually I used in, I think this one uses a micro, which is just about a half an inch by three quarters of an inch. Um, that's the inside of the board right there. Anyway, you can't see that. But yeah. And I, and there's uh so those Fritz diagrams in there, um, there's different Fritz diagrams depending on which model you're looking at. Uh, but I have a Fritz up there for, uh, doing this one with the RF system, uh, and it works quite well. So you could you could easily adapt that to your firing range. <laughs> you could, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, it'd be a wireless, you know, relay back to the. That would be better. Yeah. You know what would work very well for that application? My my kids were here over the weekend with, or for the last week with the baby, and they put a baby monitor upstairs. Mm-hmm. I just put a baby monitor down down range. Uh, and you'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's another solution. That's right. <laughs> You're thinking like an engineer, finding out the quickest and dirtiest solution there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Thanks, well, Jack. I'm going to. All right, Franz. Enjoyed talking to you. I hope that all goes well for you. Let me know when you get that posted, though. It'll be three weeks from now. So it'll, okay. I'll let you know. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. You bet. Bye bye. If you want to learn to sail, the first thing you need to do is learn the terminology. I've got an audio series of lessons, lessons for the ASA 101 exam, which is the first American Sailing Association certification. It's the basic keelboat certification. So I put together a series of audio lessons. I think they're over eight hours in length and maybe nine hours, eight to nine hours in length for the ASA exam number 101, which is the basic keelboat certification. Now, in addition to that, I also have audio lessons for the ASA 103 and the ASA 104. Now, if you want to do bareboat chartering, you need to get some sort of an international certification. And the one that's most common in the United States is the American Sailing Association certification, ASA 104. And that's the bareboat certification that you need to be able to charter a boat from most of the charter companies. 
Now, I cannot teach you to sail in an audio course, but I can prepare you for the written portion of the examination. And I try to make these lessons interesting by peppering the lessons with personal anecdotes of my experiences while sailing over the last 30 years. So uh, if that's of interest to you, please go to the website, medsailor.com. Check out the products that I have for sale. And if they're of interest to you, go ahead and buy them. If you download them through Gumroad, they will come as MP3 files. Now, the last thing I want to encourage you to do is if you like these podcasts, tell your friends about them. And if you have a chance, go into the iTunes podcast directory or whatever podcast directory you use and write a positive review. Joe, do you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you, every once in a while, you just gotta say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. You made me very proud. I was just thinking. Where we might be ten years from now, you know?